Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Bible says this, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And if you can hear, if you're here today and you are his, you can hear his voice. His voice is speaking healing. His voice is speaking hope. His voice is speaking strength. His voice is speaking restoration. Hallelujah. God, our ears are tuned to what heaven is speaking right now, Lord. And we ask you right now, God, speak. Let your voice be heard over the sound of chaos and confusion that reigns in our world today. In this place today, the voice of God reigns. In this place today, the sound of the shepherd. I hear the sound of the voice of my shepherd, and I've got to come running to the shepherd because everything I need is in the shepherd. My peace is in the hands of the shepherd. My joy is in the hands of the shepherd. Come on, there ought to be something in your spirit right now that runs to the shepherd. There ought to be something in your spirit right now that says, I hear the voice. I hear the voice of the one who walks with me. I hear the voice of the one who walks with me in the valley of the shadow of death. I hear the voice of the one who prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Speak, oh God, your servants are listening, God. We're listening for the sound of your voice. Here am I, oh God, send me. Here am I, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Could you stretch a hand out towards somebody there around you right now? Stretch a hand out toward them. I want you to pray right now, whatever they need in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says there's righteousness, there's peace, and there's joy in the Holy Ghost. There's restoration, there's strength in the Holy Ghost. Come on, whatever you need, it's in the Holy Ghost. Whatever you need, it's in Jesus Christ today. It's in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. shepherd oh God that would leave the 99 to go after one thank you great shepherd that would leave the 99 to go after one today one today that has escaped the sheepfold one today that is wandering in their spirit one today that is weary and wounded but that great shepherd would leave the 99 to go after the one and say I've been watching you I've got you don't worry I'm gonna keep you I'm gonna hold you I'm gonna bring you back into the fold says a broken spirit and a contrite heart he will not despise humility brokenness he's not asking us to come and cover up pretend we're something we're not he says if you'll just be honest if you'll be broken before me if you'll be humble in your spirit I will not despise that but I will come and bring healing in the name of Jesus God we come today in need of you there's not a person in this building today that is perfect. Not a person in this building today that based upon our own merit, our own works, that God, we've earned salvation, but Lord, we recognize our need of you. 
We recognize your presence. Presence that my wife spoke about earlier. That presence is in this house. That presence that was made accessible to us by the blood that was shed at Calvary. That veil that rent. Lord, we thank you today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. And if you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 5. And uh, particularly, and every Sunday, our Sunday school teaching is fabulous, but the, the last two Sundays have just been special. Last Sunday, Brother Sanchez talked to us about being planted in the church. And today my wife talked to us about the presence of God. And both of them deal with us coming together and what God can do when we come together. When we're all really here. It's one thing to be in the building and it's another thing to be present. Amen. To be present, to be engaged in what God is doing. Cortez, good to see you, buddy. Love you. And Brother Danny, good to see you. Welcome home. We love you. Amen. Man, everyone that is here today, I pray that you feel welcome. And more importantly, I pray that you feel the presence of God. Amen. Uh, if you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings chapter 5. And we're going to begin in verse 13. And read just a few verses there. Then we're going to move down to chapter 6. Read a couple of verses there. And then we'll end in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 5, and King Solomon raised a levy out of all Israel, and the levy was 30,000 men. He gathered a work crew, and he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month by courses. A month they were in Lebanon and two months at home, and Adoniram was over the levy. Solomon had threescore 10,000 that bear burdens, fourscore thousand hewers in the mountains beside the chief of Solomon's officers which were over the work, 3,300, which ruled over the people that wrought in the work. Verse 17, the king Solomon commanded, and they brought great stones, costly stones, and huge stones to lay the foundation of the house. Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders did hew them, and the stone squares, so they prepared timber and stones to build the house. Down to chapter 6, verse 7, in the house... When it was in building, was built of stone, made ready before it was brought thither, so that there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was building. The door for the middle chamber was in the right side of the house, and they went up with the winding stairs in the middle chamber and out of the middle into the third. So he built the house of the Lord, finished it, covered the house with beams and with boards of cedar. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Amen. The building of the house of the Lord by these stones that were hewn. I want to just very quickly look back to 1 Kings chapter 6 verse 7, the last portion of that portion of scripture it simply says there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was building amen the Lord bless you you could be seated I told you all last Sunday that we get to come to church as Wreck-It Ralph or Bob the Builder I don't know whose it is. I was just walking out in the parking lot and I saw it sitting there. There was a couple wallets and iPads too, but not really. I didn't come to wreck nothing. Does it? Brother Junior, you want to get a picture? There you go. All right, photo op real quick. This is not recommended. Uh, this is confusion. I don't know what you are, a preacher or a builder. Stay in your lane is what most would tell me. But I want to preach today. 
on building in silence. I'm not going to wear the belt the whole time. Building in silence. The Environmental Protection Agency defines noise as unwanted or disturbing sound. They go on to expound upon their definition of sound when they state that sound becomes unwanted when it either interferes with normal activities such as sleeping, conversation, or disrupts or diminishes one's quality of life. The agency has conducted various studies leading to the observation that noise pollution actually has an impact on human health. Problems related to noise include stress-related illnesses, high blood pressure, speech interference, hearing loss, sleep disruption, and uh, and lost productivity. Now, if you're not certain what noise pollution is, a trip to New York City is a good field trip to take. New York City is known as the city that never sleeps because it is just that. I don't, I don't even know how anybody sleeps in New York City. Taxi cabs that are honking. I've heard people that have lived in New York City, after they move out, they have to duplicate that sound to be able to sleep at night. I can't imagine that. Taxi cabs honking all night long. Jackhammers pounding into the pavement. Delivery trucks and garbage trucks, their backup sensors are beeping all day and all night. Skyscrapers are rising, roads continuously under repair. They declare that the noise is the sound of progress. That the the sound, the noises that you hear are the price that must be paid for expansion, improvement, and advancement. The message that they are sending is that noise is the cost that one must pay for growth. I'm going to have to take this thing off. It's... I think I'm I'm losing a battle with gravity up here. I'll grab the hammer in a minute and hit something for you, all right? The message that is being sent is that noise is the cost that must be paid in order for there to be growth. But I would say that God does some of his best building in the solitude of silence. In the absence of the pollution of noise, God speaks the loudest And his word resounds the strongest. That is not to say that God himself remains silent. But it's when God moves us into a place of silence. When God pushes us or compels us to a place of solitude. Where there's the awkward silence. Where are all of the others? Where are the other voices? And it is there in that place, the solitude of silence, that the greatest works of God are done. It was in the silence of an earth that was without form and void that God began to speak, and in just seven days without one sound beside his voice, a world was framed. It was amidst the silence of 400 years since God had last spoken to humanity that in the silence of the night the angel of the Lord appeared to a young virgin named Mary and the seed of the Holy Ghost would be placed within her womb. It was some nine months later in a silent, in a quiet, quiet town called Bethlehem amidst a silent night that a Savior would be born. It was beside the hushed trickling of a brook that Jacob found himself wrestling with a man. And it was there in the solitude of silence that as he wrestled with the Almighty God, his name would be changed from deceiver to a prince that has power with God. It was in the silence of the lowest chamber in a Philippian prison that at midnight when everybody else was asleep, when all the chains had stopped clanging, that Paul and Silas decided silence is the right time to give praise to God. And the Bible says at midnight they sang praises unto God. The chains fell off not only of them, but everybody else around them. I want you to know that silence is not awkward to God. Silence does not scare God. But silence is where God does some of his greatest work. The Bible tells us that the greatest work of the Almighty, can I tell you, the greatest work of God was not in creation. It was not even when he reached down and out of dust formed man and then breathed into him the breath of life. That was indeed a marvelous work that man cannot duplicate. Amen. The greatest work of God was not even Calvary. Yes, that was a great work. And without Calvary, what I'm about to tell you would not be possible. But the greatest work of God, he is saved for last. 
past because the Bible says that like a thief in the night, in the silence of the night, there's going to come a cry and the Almighty is going to come back. He's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his church and he's going to catch us away. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to his coming. I don't know about you, but I can't wait until Jesus comes. I can't wait to leave this world behind. I can't wait to get out of this decrepit world that seems to be falling apart every day. I know that Jesus is coming. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. While man equates noise with growth. That when you hear the sound of the hammer, that means something's growing. When you hear the chisel clanging, that means expansion is taking place. But our God is a God that builds in silence. I'm certain that the EPA was not in existence during the building of Solomon's temple. Nor was there any such agency working to measure and mitigate the decibel levels in that day. To understand the magnitude of the building of Solomon's temple, we should understand first its dimensions, using the description provided in the scriptures and applying modern measurements, we would find the temple was roughly 180 feet long, 90 feet wide, 50 feet high, with the highest point of the temple being about 20 stories or 207 feet tall. All of it was made from this stone. They weren't running to Lowe's or Home Depot to grab a pallet of bricks or cinder blocks. They didn't have any of the faux kind of, you know, it looks like it's brick, but it's not. They didn't have any of that back then. But, but and, and, and kind of to equate, they, they've taken some of the stones that they found from the second temple, Herod's temple, which was kind of a rebuilding of Solomon's temple. And they found one stone in and of itself that weighed up to 570 tons. How much work it must have been to transport these massive building blocks. In fact, I was in Jerusalem a couple of years ago, and we look, I mean, you think of a block or a stone, you think, you know, um, I don't know if you look at the front of the building, you know, kind of like 12 by 6 or 12 by 8. I don't know, Brother Simpkins, if I'm even in the, in the ballpark of what kind of stones they use. But this stone, this stone was like uh, 12 feet long by, by about 6 feet high and another 6 feet thick. It was massive. I don't, I don't know how they lifted it without modern technology, but obviously they did. These were huge building blocks. And the, the, the word that Solomon gave was that, 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 that this that they could not be the sound of a hammer. When you build this building, when you build the house of the Lord, you've got the building in such a way, I don't want to hear one chisel. I don't want to hear a hammer. I don't want to hear a saw sawing. I don't want to hear anything that is the sound of iron. I don't want to hear the clanging of a hammer. And so that what that meant is they would have to cut the, the, the stone in the quarry and then they would have to transport that stone. They would have to, I don't even know how they did it, but they transported it likely miles from the quarry and then they would put that stone in place and that meant if the stone was not perfect, they would have to transport it all the way back to where it was and then bring it back to its setting once again. It was not optimal. It was not ideal. Without a question, it was not optimal. Yet Solomon is adamant. I know how much work it's going to be. I know what it's going to take. But I do not want to hear the sound of a hammer. I don't want to hear the axe. And I don't want to hear the tool of iron in the process of building the house of the Lord. It was silent at the site of the building of the temple. It was this silence that gives us insight into the work of God in his church today. The first thing that we can find from this building of the temple where not the sound of a hammer, not the sound of a saw or a chisel or an axe could be heard is we're able to see how God desires his work to be done. You see, Solomon understood this, that the temple cannot be built without the hands of man. Amen. Everybody say it takes man. It takes humanity. It takes men and women. The church cannot be built without the hands of humanity involved in it. It would have been impossible to gather stones that were not hewn or shaped by the hands of man. If they would have simply gone into the quarry and found a stone and said, well, that looks good enough. I think that stone, you know, without us doing anything to it, I think 
that's the right size. But in order for those stones to fit perfectly, there had to be the work of a man involved in the process. In order for them to fit together, as the Bible would say in the New Testament, being fitly framed, in order for that to happen, there had to be a hammer, there had to be a chisel, there had to be an axe involved in the process. We find in Exodus chapter 20, verse 25, that altars were to be built with unhewn stones that you were not to cut, you were not to saw, you were not to chisel a stone that was to be used in an altar. They were supposed to look rugged and unrefined. Amen. God was adamant when he told Moses, I don't want altars. I don't want to be there. The, 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 the sign that a man had anything to do with an altar, I want it to be visible that God was the only one involved in this process. But the temple could only be constructed by God working through the hands of man. And while Solomon understood that the temple could not be completed without the hands of man, he did not want the sound of man's work to be present at the temple. Here's the point. He wanted it to be clear that the construction of the temple was the work of God and not of man. Yes, it may have involved men, but the finished product was that God was the one responsible. How that applies to us today is that, you know what, not one of us would be in this building if there weren't somebody that hadn't told us of Jesus. Sister Lawrence, 37 years ago, 38 years ago, my dad taught you a Bible study, and here you are today because a man was involved in the process. But the reason you're here today is not the hands of a man. The reason you're here today is because God looked down and he said, I see somebody that needs salvation. I need somebody. I see somebody who needs forgiveness. And when you look through this building right now, everybody in this building, yes, we've got the fingerprints of man upon us, but I'm not here because of somebody. I'm not here because of what somebody did. I'm here by the grace of God. I'm here by the mercy of God. You see, the sound of chisels and hammers imply that man is at work. And that the building that is being constructed is the work of man's hand. And Solomon said, I don't want anybody confused when they walk up to this building. And, and the queen of Sheba would come and she would look at this beauty. And she would say the half has not been told. She would look at Solomon's temple and say it's beautiful. But Solomon didn't want the queen of Sheba or anybody else to be confused. This isn't my building. It's not man's building. I don't want you to hear the sound of a hammer because I want you to know very clearly this is God's church. These are God's people. My life has been shaped by the work of many hands. Sunday school teachers like Maria Barlett, I think Sister Jody actually taught me Sunday school. They taught me Deuteronomy 6 and 4. My youth pastors, Jim and Sheila Barr, that was special to me the day when Jeremy got up here and shared his testimony. He did a great job. I leaned over to my wife and said, wow, he's a great speaker. And Jeremy and I, we, we know a little something. It's an inside thing about the hand of God that's on his life. But we'll just let that unfold. But Jeremy, your dad and mom, I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for their hands upon my life. That every Friday at 7.07, yeah, that was our youth group, Flight 707. Every Friday night at 7.07, every Friday night at 7.07, we would have youth group meeting. And it kept me from getting involved in the things of this world. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the hands of those people. Amen. My parents who prayed over me and encouraged me. So many of you that are in this building tonight that have had an influence upon my life. Those were the hands that helped to shape my life. But I am today who I am. Not because of all the hands that have touched my life. But I'm standing in this building today because of the hand of an almighty God. There's not the sound of a hammer. There's not the sound of a chisel. There's not the sound of an axe. It's all been Jesus. He's the one working on me. He's the one putting it all together. And
And the greatest detriment is not when we give honor to Sunday school teachers and pastors and youth workers, which we should, but it's when we think that we're the one that shaped our lives, and I'm the one that got me good, and I'm the one that got me in the church. You better recognize if it weren't for the grace of God, you'd still be sitting in the quarry. If it weren't for the mercy of the Lord, you still have your rough edges. If it weren't for the salvation of God, you wouldn't even fit in the church. But it's the blood of Jesus. And so I say today, I don't want to hear the sound of the hammer. I don't want to hear the sound of the axe. I just want to give glory to God. Today, it is not the sound of the hammer that we should guard against, but rather it is the casual, look what I've done, that enters into the church. Look at what pastor's done. Look at what pastor's built. Listen, if it were left up to what pastor's done and what pastor's built, there wouldn't be anybody in this building, right? There wouldn't be a building right now. We are here today by the grace of God. We, the Bible says this, God said no flesh should glory in my presence. We've got to get the glory back on God. We've got to get the glory off of one another, and we've got to get it back on Jesus. We used to sing a song that said, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He changed my mind. He saved me just in time. I wonder if anybody wants to take a moment and give praise to the Almighty. He's been building in silence. He's been building in silence. Come on, he's building something beautiful in silence. We've got to get rid of all the noise. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about talent and ability. It's all about Jesus. God uses people to build his church. But the building of the church is the work of God. Everybody in here, how many of you can say that there has been at least two or three people that have had a a, a role in shaping your life? But I pray that you understand that those two or three people are not really the ones that brought you into the church. There's only one responsible for that. And that's why Solomon said, I don't want to hear the sound of the hammer. I don't want to hear the sound of the chisel because I want to make sure all the glory goes to God. My wife and I did not, she did let me read her notes last night, but we didn't compare notes, and I already had this in my notes. Lord, you're my witness. But one of the commentaries that I read spoke on Solomon's adamant decree that there be no sound of hammer or axe at the site of the temple was to ensure from its inception that there was a reverence for the house of God. Solomon understood that a lack of reverence erodes worship. Solomon understood if we start off with banging hammers and clanging chisels and axes, the sound of the axe, if that's how we start, then, then, then what's going to stop chaos and confusion from getting in the church later? If we just let any old noise in the church right now, then how are we going to say no to other noises later? How are we going to say no, no to the noise of doctrine when it tries to get in the church? How are we going to say no to the noise of false prophets when they try to come among us? If we don't draw the line right now and say this is a place that we will reverence, this is a place that is the house of God this building is not just any building this building yes yes it's built out of all the same stuff every other building but it's what this building has been consecrated for that makes it special and so when we walk into this building our children should not treat it like they do the playground at McDonald's Parents, your children don't need to be babysat by iPhones and iPads in the church. There needs to come a place where they learn to listen to what the preacher is saying. There comes a place and we got to understand that we've got to have a reverence in the house of God. There's got to be respect for the things of God. Well, pastor, they'll just grow out of it. No, they won't just grow out of it. You'll have to train them out of it. 
The Bible doesn't say let your children grow out of it when they grow up. It says train your children in the way they should go. So my parents taught me how to sit through church. They saw, I, I didn't like it any more than your five-year-old does when I was five. But if I made a noise, my mom taught me how to like it. If I started passing notes and talking in church, my dad, you know, I, I'm nice. My dad wasn't so nice. He would stop right in the middle. Jason Robert, go sit by your mother. Just like that. I wanted to, I died a thousand deaths. Cats have nine lives. I've already lived well past that. That's how it was done. But it taught me to reverence the house of God. You know what that put in me? It put into me, there's something special about this place. And so when the doctor said, you've got a sickness, I knew where I needed to go. Because this place is different than any other place. When my marriage was going through rough times, you know where I went? I went to the house of God because there's something special about that place. There should not be the sound of a hammer. There should not be the sound of an axe or a chisel. This is the house of God. We must determine that like Solomon, we will make this house of God a sacred place. I remember years ago, Brother Plager, Brother Barry, you all will recall, in that boardroom, we were looking at plans. We had the choice to build a church. We probably could have built everything in one phase. All we would have had to do was make our sanctuary multipurpose. It could be a church on Sunday and a gym on Monday. It could be a church on Sunday and a, and a, a fellowship hall on Friday. And a gym on. It could have done all those. And I'm not, there's other churches that have done that. I'm, that's their decision. But I remember in that boardroom when we began to pray together and the Holy Ghost came in that room and we made a very expensive decision but I still believe the right decision and we made a statement that no the sanctuary is going to be sacred uh, amen we're not going to have the sound of a hammer or a chisel near the sanctuary it's going to be a sacred place why because when my girls grow up I want them to know this is holy it's sanctified uh, if you got a need in your life this is where you run to uh, if you got a problem this is where you come uh, and if we don't get rid of the hammer and the chisel silence of the building of Solomon's temple first of all it did speak to how God desires his work to be done but secondly it also speaks to the way that God works in his people you see often the greatest works of, uh, in God's kingdom happen in silence over time and without much fanfare we watch as lives are transformed we witness over times as our lives have been transformed. You know, it's kind of like when you're growing up and you go to a family reunion and you haven't seen Aunt Susie in three years. Right? And Aunt Susie comes up, awkward, you know, kiss on the face. If you're a really awkward family, kiss on the mouth. That just shouldn't happen. And what does Aunt Susie say? My, you've gotten so tall. I used to change your diaper. But you've gotten so tall. It's all, every time you see Aunt Susie, that whole weekend, it's all she talks about, how tall you've gotten. Meanwhile, you, the person who's been doing all the growing, don't even recognize. I, I, I'm the same me I was three years ago. And it's like that in the church today. There are people that all around you are like those stones that have been hewn. When you first came to God, you had jagged edges all over the place. You had some things out of balance in your life. But over time, and you don't even recognize it, but the master has begun to chisel some things away. You don't even recognize it, but over time, you're not the same person that you used to be. He's been changing you. He's been transforming you. And many times we don't even recognize all that God has done. In silence, our lives have been transformed. Addicts 
have been delivered. Marriages have been strengthened. Our families are better than they used to be. And many times we don't even realize it. Well, let me be Aunt Susie in this building today and say, Junior and Edel, I'm watching what God is doing. And you guys are growing. Amen. Brother Silvati, I've watched you grow over the years. Amen. I've watched you young men on the front row grow. I'm so proud of what God is doing in you. I know you've been growing in silence. But God does his best work in silence. Somebody thank God right now because you're not who you used to be. I know you don't think about it very often. It's just who you are. But Brother Scott, man, I've watched you grow, Brother Scott. I, I can't even, I don't even know how to put into measurements. Yeah, I mean, it's light years. Brother Scott just kind of comes in every Wednesday and Sunday and does his, faithfully does his deal. And we don't even, the guy, I asked him where he gets his clothes from. He said, God's doing it. I need to learn how to get on that deal. I got to order my suits from China and they deliver them to me. You're getting them right from heaven. But I'm watching Brother Scott grow, and he's not even the same person he used to be. But it's happening in silence. We don't even recognize all that God is doing. And then one day we look around, and we say, look at Bruce and Donna Plager. Look at what God has done, and there's Matt and Brad. Look at what God is doing in that family. Look at what God is doing in Brian Benthal. Look at what God is doing in Joy and Andre. I think it's all right right now to make some noise and give God the praise for what he's been building in silence just stick around I know it doesn't feel like much is happening but if you just stick around he's building a masterpiece if you just stick around he's building something Shaq you first started coming to church Shaquan didn't really want to come Man, look at him now. Anointed man of God. And we don't always make noise about that because it happens in silence. But every once in a while, we need to stop and look at what God has been doing. Cortez, I've seen you grow. I've seen God raise you up. And God, this is just the beginning of what God is going to do. But that's the way God does it. He does it in silence. Everywhere I go, I have people ask me, who's that Sylvia family? And they, they got Maddie, who is Katie, her and her husband are on the youth committee now in Kentucky. And Maddie is on praise, and Eric and Claire, talent. Who is this family? Where would you get them from? Well, you wouldn't recognize them from when they first came. When they first came, 16 years. Every time I guess, I'm, I guess wrong. Eight, 17 years. I promise you, even those of you that see them every week, you would not recognize them what they were when they first came. But in silence, Brett and Sylvia, Brett and Bridget, you don't even recognize what God has done. Even in the last two or three years, God is doing greater things. And Maddie and, and Eric and Claire and Katie's not here. This whole family, what God is doing. And James and Linda and Linda Lou and Isaiah and Hannah. Every one of you families in this place. We don't take we don't take stock wet long enough and often enough and say look what the Lord has done. It's because just because you don't hear the hammer doesn't mean God's not building. James and Naomi just been coming a little over a year. Man, we baptized that guy and a fireball came up out the tank. I walked in today to prayer. He was up here praying. I said I didn't know we had a guest preacher here today. But in just a year, and no, I haven't heard the sound of a hammer. It didn't all happen in one Sunday. But over time, look what God is doing. He's been building in silence. He's been building. That's what our God does. He builds in silence. Silence is the sign of progress. Lavetta and Angelita and Bo and Tasha. I could go on and on and on. Everybody in this building, you don't see it. But Aunt Susie sees it. Holy Ghost sees it. The church ought to see it. In silence, lives have been transformed. And you might be here today and you might feel as if you are building in silence. You've been discouraged because you don't see the results of what God has been doing. 
you don't feel like others recognized what God has been doing. Or maybe others see it. Maybe you got that Aunt Susie in your spiritual life who always telling you how awesome you are. Oh, child of God, you're anointed. And you're like, who are you talking about? I'm still, I'm still the, the, the short guy. You know, I'm still, I'm still the little kid playing kickball in the cul-de-sac. But Aunt Susie, that spiritual voice in your life says, no, I see the growth that's been taking place. Uh, listen, much of God's greatest work in our lives comes in silence. So don't let the silence confuse you. Just because you don't hear the sound of the hammer and you don't feel the clanging of the chisel, don't let it confuse you. God is still building. It's just been going off out of earshot. Uh, it's been going off in the distance where you can't hear it. But here at the scene of, at the scene of construction, God is putting things together in silence. Wow, the stones are shaped together in silence. They didn't just get that way. The building site was silent because there was a lot of work going on at the quarry. Here's what I know, Brother Scott. I, don't, I, don't, I see you here pretty much. We don't get, we, I don't run into you a lot out in town. You're, you're probably in the cool crowd. I'm, I'm not. But I know it didn't just happen here. There's been some things going off away from here that we don't hear you've been at the quarry there's been some time spent in prayer we don't hear the prayers in here all the time yeah you know, pastor lost you know uh, backsliders lost you know anyway, the prayer request they every every wednesday new conference lost souls backsliders pastor and his wonderful family there we go got it but i know this brother scott things don't come together in silence without somebody doing some work at the quarry all of things that are happening in your life aren't just happening. Junior and Edel, you're not growing because you come to church on Sunday and that's it. In fact, I got that message you sent me Monday with your family sitting at the table going through a devotional. That's the hard work that goes on to the query that makes what happens on Sunday come together. Come on, I'm talking to some of you right now that what God is doing in silence is because of what you're doing at the query. Because you leave here on Sunday and you go back and you pray. Even when you don't feel like it, you pray. When you don't feel like it, you fast. When you don't feel like it, you open up your word. Aunt Susie, I didn't just grow three feet since you last. It didn't just happen when I walked in the building. It's been going on over time because I've been eating my green beans and potatoes. I've been putting in the work, Aunt Susie. I've been eating my spinach and collard greens. I've been eating all the right stuff. That's the reason that I'm a foot taller. Amen. The reason that God is building in silence is because you're cutting at the quarry, because you're hammering at the quarry, because there's prayer going on, because worship is going on, because because you're faithful to the house of God. Because you're spending time in the word. Brother Eric, it's because they're planted by rivers of living water. And if you wonder, well, how come I'm not growing? I think I just answered that for you. Well, I come to church and I, I do my deal on Sunday morning, you know, and I, I'm still the same me as I was three years ago because... It isn't what happens here. It's what you're doing at the quarry. And what you do or don't do at the quarry tells on you at the building site. When the stone doesn't fit together, when the stone doesn't fit in place, it's because there wasn't any work going on back down at the quarry. And yes, we are building in silence, but there must be noise at the quarry. There's got to be a praying dad that says, God, save my family. There's got to be a praying wife that says, God, strengthen my husband. There's got to be some prayers. There's got to be some worship. There's got to be some praise. There's got to be some thanksgiving. I need somebody to raise your hands right now because if you will just stay busy at the quarry, the master is going to keep building in silence. You may not see it. You may not recognize it. But if you'll just stay busy at the quarry. The Bible says keep casting your bread upon the water. Soon it's going to return to you. Come on, keep on praying. Those prayers are going to pay off. Come on, keep on working at the quarry. And there may, there may not be much fanfare and much noise about it, but, but God is going to build his house. God is going to build your family. God is going to build your faith. 
Finally, the building in silence speaks to God's work in the church. I'm almost finished. Solomon was adamant. But Andre, I don't know what song to do. Just do some, some noise. God works in silence, but we need some noise. Solomon was adamant. Noise just gives you all hope. It's like when the pilot says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're uh, approaching 45 miles out. Or 45 minutes out, whatever. Anyway, it gives you hope that I'm bringing it in for a landing was my point. I'm obviously not a good pilot. Solomon was adamant. Before you bring the stones to Mount Moriah, the threshing floor of Ornan, before you bring them to this place, make sure that they are cut correctly. Don't bring them to this place until they are perfected at the quarry. Because there will be no chiseling here. There will be no hammers here. There will be no sound of iron here. Make sure you get it correct at the quarry. Every corner, every surface, the height, the wet, the dip, the, the depth. Whatever chiseling you have to do, do it now at the quarry. Whatever shaping you need to do, do it now at the quarry. But don't bring them to this place until they are perfect. Why, why so much attention to detail, Solomon? Why are you so adamant that the stones be shaped so perfectly? Why are you so adamant that their, their dimensions be so perfectly aligned? Can't we just sand the stones down a little bit when they get here? Isn't it all right if we just knock a few inches away here and there? The reason is because Solomon's temple that was constructed atop Mount Moriah in the place of Ornan's threshing floor. Consequently, the same region where the Savior of the world would hang suspended between heaven and earth on an old rugged tree. And that temple that was built at Ornan's threshing floor, the site of Calvary, that temple was not built for this earth. Solomon did not build this temple based upon the latest advice of an architecture. This was not some extravagant floor plan he downloaded from a church engineering website. No, this was to be a type of a heavenly kingdom. The pattern the Bible tells us that Solomon built from was a pattern that David gave to Solomon that he had got from God. And it was intended, this church was to be a representation of what heaven will look like. It will be a type of a heavenly kingdom, the type of a new Jerusalem. Let me tell you today, in the, room, in the New Jerusalem, there will be no hammers. There will be no scraping of chisels in that city. There will be no instruments of iron, which, by the way, are a type of judgment in that New Jerusalem. All the work must be done here at the quarry. There will be no preacher standing in a pulpit in the New Jerusalem. If the corners aren't perfect, if you haven't gotten things right with God... There will be no hammer sounding in New Jerusalem. There won't be the chance when you get there to say, can't we just sand a few inches off here and can't we just hack a few inches off over there? No, once you get to that place, if the stone is not ready, the stone is cast to the side. The only way that the stone can be used in that city is if that has been prepared at the quarry. I will not preach to you in heaven. There will be no preacher in heaven. There will be no calls to repentance in heaven. It's what you do right now. If you leave this building today and you enter into eternity, that is how the stone is cast. You will have no second chance in eternity. You will have no second opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. This is your opportunity to make your calling and election sure. stand with me there will be no tears in heaven there will be no repentance in heaven there will be no exhortation there, nobody is going to stand before the gate and say you need to get things right if you haven't got things right by then you will not get them right but today we gather in the place of the quarry
place of the quarry where the sound, I wish I had something I could hit without breaking it. Matt, you look real nervous right now. The sound of the hammer. Still be heard. Where a sinner can still run to an altar and say, God, have mercy on me. When a backslider or a lukewarm saint can find a place at an altar and say, Lord, I know there's some things in my life right now. I'm not ready for new, that new city. I'm not ready yet. Yes, Lord, I, you've done a lot in my life, but I know if you come right now, I'm not ready. I'm not where I need to be. Listen, right now we are gathered at the quarry. There's an altar open on the stage make as much room as you need to we're at the quarry right now but there will be no hammers there will be no hammers in heaven there will be no chisels that secret sin that you think you can hold on to today is your opportunity to let that chisel get down and bust that sin out of your life because in that city there will be no chisel there will be no hammer there will be no axe there will be no iron no sound of judgment in that city Come on, somebody. Please don't wait for that awkward silence in heaven. Please don't wait for that awkward silence when the Lamb opens up the seals of that book and names begin to be read and in silence you wait. Will my name be called? 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 On that great day, there will be no sound of iron. Either you've made yourself ready or you haven't. I wish somebody would get the hammer out right now. I wish somebody would get the chisel out right now and let a merciful God begin to cut away. Let a merciful God begin to chip away. Let a merciful God begin to prepare you. Come on, he's done too much for you to, you to be lost for eternity. He chose you out of, out of that quarry. He saw that stone that you could be. And he's been working on you. He's been shaping you. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.